So in the mornings here at Evergreen, Sunday mornings, we've been going through the series on the Psalms. And, um, and so, and, and one of the interesting things, some of the Psalms give us a, a historical context in the life of David in one of the, um, in one of, in, in the book of First Samuel or, and also uh, Second Chronicles. Well, um, so what we're doing, what we're doing tonight is we're going to try to to look at one of those psalms in its historical context in the life of David. And what I think that can do is to help us actually understand better the life of David and better understand the psalm, so that we can better understand how to live as Christian people. So that's kind of the goal. So it's a little bit complex. So once again, I'm going to I'm going to give the explanation in Spanish, so that you know we're going. Yo voy a predicar en inglés, claro. Pero uh, yo voy a explicar lo que estamos haciendo esta noche. Y es, es en las mañanas uh, de domingo. Estamos uh, um, considerando los salmos. Pero uh, en, en las noches vamos a considerar algunos salmos. Pero algunos salmos dice que uh, toman lugar en la, vida de, en la vida de David. Y vamos a ver que David estaba pensando durante su vida, su vida por estos salmos. Y, y esta noche yo, yo creo que podemos ver mejor la vida de David y los salmos cuando los consideramos juntos. Y entonces esto puede ayudarnos de vivir mejor como cristianos y como seres humanos uh, bajo de Dios. Okay? Entonces... Uh, hay un resumen para ayudarlos. Y también hay Salmo uh, 34, escribien, escribo, escrito <ríe> en tu papel. Entonces, eh, pero esta noche vamos a leer 1 Samuel 21, 1 a 15. So, we're going to turn to 1 Samuel, chapter 21. We've already read Psalm 34. It's there on your paper with the outline. But we're going to look at a section of the life of David. Psalm 34 was written uh, in the event of the, that is described in verses 11 through 15. But I'm going to read the whole chapter to help us understand a little bit better what was going on. So 1 Samuel chapter 21. One through 15. Let's hear God's word. David went to Nob to Ahimelech, the priest. Ahimelech trembled when he met him and asked, Why are you alone? Why is no one with you? David answered Ahimelech, the priest. The king sent me on a mission and said to me, No one is to know anything about the mission I am sending you on. As for my men, I have told them to meet me at a certain place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever you can find. But the priest answered David, I don't have any ordinary bread on hand. However, there is some consecrated bread here, provided the men have kept themselves from women. David replied, Indeed, women have been kept from us as as usual whenever I set out. The men's bodies are holy even on missions that are not holy. How much more so today? So the priest gave him the consecrated bread, since there was no bread there except the bread of the presence that had been removed from before the Lord and replaced by hot bread on the day it was taken away. Now one of Saul's servants was there that day, detained before the Lord. 
He was Doeg the Edomite, Saul's chief shepherd. David asked Ahimelech, Don't you have a spear or a sword here? I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon because the king's mission was urgent. The priest replied, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, is here. It is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you want it, take it. There is no sword here but that one. David said, There's none like it. Give it to me. That day, David fled from Saul and went to Achish, king of Gath. But the servants of Achish said to him, Isn't this David, the king of the land? Isn't he the one they sing about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands, but da- and David is tens of thousands. David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, king of Gath. So he pretended to be insane in their presence. And while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. Achish said to his servants, Look at this man. He's insane. Why you bring him to me? Am I so short of madmen that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? Must this man come into my house? This is God's word. Let's pray. O Lord, our God, indeed you are great and exalted above every name. You are worthy of our worship and you are worthy of our praise. You are infinitely above us and yet you condescend to speak to us and to know us and to come down to our level. And we praise you, O Lord, that you have done that tonight through your word and that you have also enabled us to sing to you, to pray to you, to seek after you. And O Lord, we pray that we would find you in this message tonight. I thank you, O Lord, for each person that you brought here. I pray, O Lord, that you would encourage their hearts as they lift them up to you. I thank you for their desire to come and take time to give you praise and to listen to your word. And I pray that you would bless it. We thank you for the friends that you brought brought us here from all over the world. And we pray, O Lord, that you would bless their time here in this country. Pray that you would make it fruitful. Pray that all their plans would succeed and that you would bless and prosper them in every way. We thank you, O Lord, for the work you've given us to do this summer. We thank you for the opportunities for ministry. And we pray, O Lord, that you would bless them. And we thank you, O Lord, uh, for the people you bring together to help us coordinate these things. For Carrie, for today, for Lydia in the nursery, for our band, and for Jeremy working with the sound, the computer, and Heather. And uh, everybody else who participates in so many ways. We pray your blessing upon them as well. Now, Lord, give us hearts that are ready to receive what you would teach us. And, O Lord, we pray that you would lead us and teach us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So what happens in your Christian life when things go from bad to worse? Maybe you were doing pretty well before you accepted Christ. And now your your job isn't going as well. Your family's not going as well. You may have health problems. You may seem like uh, um, all sorts of issues are coming up continually. I talked to someone like that recently, and they said that they were ready just to give up on Christ. What was, the, what was the use? Well, one of the things that this passage teaches us tonight is that at times, it may look like God has abandoned us as his people. At times, it may look like God is not present. At times, it may not feel like God is present. At times it may look like nothing is there except bad things. 
But this passage reminds us that God is always close, that God is always available, and that he's the faithful God who continues to do us good in spite of what we deserve, and that he's going to, the future is not one of curse, but one of blessing. He is going to bless us with good things. That is our destiny, that is our future, and this is a song about that truth. And so we need to keep that constantly before us, especially in times when, when times get bad. And so I want us to look first at the psalm and look at the promises of God that are contained in that psalm, the faithfulness of God in caring for his people. And I've listed, I just listed some of those in the outline, but we'll look at those with the verses. And then I'm going to look at how that fits into to, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 21, verses 10 through 15, and then we'll go back to the psalm again because I think it shows us some things. So we're going to kind of go back and forth to try and see if we can see more things after an initial look at Psalm 34. So if you want to take a look at Psalm 34 as I have it written there or in your Bible as you have it, then you'll be able to follow along with what, um, what I'm saying. So What this psalm is a song about is the fact that God is going to take care of his people and he's going to bless them with good things. God is going to take care of his people. God is going to bless them with good things. We need to have no uh, doubt about that. And what David sings about is the fact that when he got in trouble, he called on the Lord. He prayed to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord and the Lord answered him. That's one way he saw his faithfulness. Look at the verse 4. It says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Everything I was afraid of that I thought would happen to me, God delivered me out of them when I called on him. And then look at verse 6. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. So he was in troubles for a time. But God brought him out of that. He pulled him out of that and delivered him. Secondly, the second promise is that the Lord makes the faces of his people shine. He makes them radiant. Look at verse 5. He says, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. So we may be seeing all the problems around us. Light is reflected back. And what that means is that we experience joy. We experience, uh, we reflect the image of God. We experience goodness. That is the light of the Lord shining upon us. Whenever we're in trouble, we can always look to the Lord and that light shines on us and it makes our faces radiant. Third, the angel of the Lord protects them. And I think this probably refers to um, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He's often called the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. But it could also refer to an angel which are uh, spiritual beings that are powerful, that are under God's command. Some of them sin and turn away from God, and those we call demons. But then we also have the angels, who are the servants of the Lord. We're not the only rational creatures in the world. There are angels, and there are demons. And what we, what we hear is that we may have an army of, uh, of opponents camped around us, but around them is the army of the Lord. Look at verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. There's a beautiful story of this in the book of uh, 2 Kings, where 
where Elisha the prophet and his servant were surrounded literally by a hostile army. And they were, and they were scared, understandably so. And then and Elisha said, open this servant's eyes. And he saw the army of the Lord all around them. He couldn't see it. They were there. And so that's what God tells us. Fourth, or letter D, those who fear him lack nothing. Verses 10 through 11. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. So he says, come, my children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Oh, I think it was verse 9, sorry. Fear the Lord, verse 9, you as holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. So what it says is, God will give us the things we truly need. You know, if we get one thing taken away from us that we really like, we don't have to fear because God is going to keep giving us the things that we need. That's his promise. That's what he'll do. And above all, he'll give us himself. The fourth, fifth promise is the Lord is close to his righteous people. Verses 17 and 18. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them to deliver them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So above all, God says, I will be with you. I am with you. When, even if it doesn't seem like it, I am with you. That's his promise. And you can see that the Bible keeps making these promises. This is not just the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we have the same type of promises. Uh, Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and that they might have it abundantly. Jesus said, if you lack anything, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. In Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul declares in faith, and my God shall supply all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And even looking at enemies, the Apostle Paul says, but the Lord is faithful in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. So we don't need to fear. And what should our response be to all this? Well, we sang it so beautifully in that version of Psalm 34. But just note three things that we should do in response. Praise the Lord. In verse, verses 1 through 3, David is considering all these good things. And so he says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. So we should praise the Lord. We should also take refuge in the Lord. We should take refuge in the Lord. Verse refuge in him. And to take refuge in him means that we go to him for what we need. And when we feel trouble, when we feel anxious, when we feel fear, when we feel anger, we go to the Lord. He's our refuge. And then we should fear the Lord. One of the great themes of this is that we should fear the Lord. And that means that we think highly of him, of what he can do, of how great he is, how mighty he is, how awesome he is, how glorious he is. And that is the first thought. We should say, the Lord is first. We fear the Lord. So God is close and available, and he will strengthen you and protect you. He's the faithful God who will take care of his people. That's the message of Psalm 34, a beautiful song. Now, let's go, go on to the next point, what we learn about Psalm 34 from 1 Samuel 21, 11 through 15. 
Now, whenever I say to people or a group of people, the Lord will bless you. The Lord will take care of you. The Lord is going to be with you. I always invariably have some people who say, I don't like what you're saying because I don't feel that right now. My life seems to be going very badly. I am struggling, they'll say. I am having a hard time. My family's breaking down or, or uh, my marriage isn't going well or my, jo- I, my job's not going well. I don't have a job and I don't know how I'm going to pay for things. And, uh, or or something, is, something has happened that really hurt me. And so how can you say God will take care of me and God will bless me? Well, I think looking at the life of David helps us to understand that when David said these things about our faithful God, he was one who was struggling with significant problems. David knew what it was like to experience significant threats to his life. And that is what is happening here. What we see is that um, Jonathan had warned David that Saul wanted to kill him. And so David fled from Saul to the priests at a town called Nob. So what is happening here is that um, David is afraid for his life. He literally has someone who wants to kill him. Not Not just mug him. Not just take something from him. They want to take his life. And so he is running as hard as he can and as fast as he can from people who can and would take his life. That's what we're talking about here. And he's so scared that when he goes to the priests, he lies about what is happening. And he tells them, I'm just on a secret mission. And I didn't have time to get stuff. So give me some of the bread and give me the sword of Goliath. And so, but then, what happens when we get scared? What happens when we get scared? Well, we start to run. Maybe not literally, but figuratively, we start to move away from people, or we start to to do things that keep us away from people. And often these things are not smart. They're not rational. And because anxiety tends to move blood to our arms and to our legs. So we can fight or we can run. But that blood has to come from somewhere. And that blood comes from our brain. And so we're not thinking. And David is not thinking. He doesn't know what to do. He's just scared and he's running, just like a lot of us do. Things get rough and we just react. We just do something dumb. And, and we just, and then, and maybe, like, like me, I remember one time I was so uh, frustrated with trying to get a battery out of my van that I took the, um, my tool in my hand and I threw it against the house and it put a big hole in the siding. And so every time I walked by there, I, I was able to say, look at how dumb it is to get angry all the time. And uh, because it was a reminder, that's the sort of thing. It wasn't, it wasn't like I thought carefully. What would be a good response to this situation? I think I shall throw a tool against the, the, the house. That will help. No, I was just, no, nothing's going on in my brain, right? So that's what's happening with David. So David flees to the Philistines, to King Achish, the king of Gath. He is the, he is the 
the one to whom David runs. Now, there's a problem with that. And that is that when he, he arrives there, all his people remember, this is the guy who killed a bunch of Philistines. And, and he had been fighting against them for years. And now he comes to the king trying to get help. Well, the people there didn't like him. And they said, what in the world is this guy doing here? Then, and then the, in 1 Samuel, listen, it says, he got very f- afraid. He was very afraid because there he is, him and a few of his friends before the army of the Philistines. What is he going to do? He could have been killed. He was in a very dangerous situation. So he, David must have been um, a very great actor. He'd like give Leonardo DiCaprio a run for his money because he convinced them that he was insane. And from then, from then on, everybody said to David, que lo que, mi loco, right? <laughs> so what's up, my crazy guy, which is like a, a greeting in Dominican Republic. So very appropriate for David. You didn't know that. Too. Now you know something about the Bible. It's very important. Dominican Republic was there. So... Um, Anyway, so he pretends he's crazy. And, it, and he pulls it off, amazingly. And King, King Agus says, get this guy out of here. And he just has nothing to do with it. So he was, what happens is that the Lord delivered him. The Lord delivered him out of this very, very hard and very difficult situation. So, what, so the thing I want you to see when you read something like Psalm 34 or many other psalms like it, it was not written, it was written by a guy who had some big problems. Big problems. People wanting to kill him. Big threats to his life. This, is, this, this declaration of the faithfulness of God comes from a man who was just running for his life. And so what that tells us is, When we get scared and start running, that we can find the same faithful God. When we we hear about wars and we don't know where it's going to go, when we hear about dissension in our nation, fighting one against the other, when we hear when our family is freaking out all the time or falling apart, when our grades aren't what they're supposed to be, when we don't have the money to pay for the things that we think we need to pay for, or when we have health problems or issues or lose someone, it's these type of people who wrote psalms like Psalm 34 and who found the faithfulness of God even in the hardest things of life. That is the message of looking at 1 Samuel. And that's, what, that's why I think uh, David says well in Psalm 34, the righteous person, I think this is verse 19. Like some, yeah, take a look at that. This is it's very instructive. Yeah, verse 19. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them from them all. He may be in those troubles a while. He may have to run, but the Lord brings deliverance. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. 
In other words, his life will be preserved. Not just in a bare way, as if a bare existence, but having life, having it more abundantly. So I think that's a really important lesson that we learn about Psalm 34. You know, someone can look at me right now. I mean, I'd say my life's going pretty good. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, don't, I wouldn't say that I have any huge tragedy in my life right, right now as I've experienced sometimes in the past. But, and they say, oh, you know how you can say this about Psalm 34. But to David at that time, they cannot say that. What do you know? You're just running for your life People from a whole bunch of people who have the ability to kill you. You're not going to say that, right? He knew. All right. So that's the point of Saul, that's the point of looking at 1 Samuel. But let's just let me just draw a few of the lessons then going back. From from uh, looking back, what can we learn about 1 Samuel from Psalm 34? So that was what we could learn about. I, I'm so confused, you probably are too. But what, what we can learn about Psalm 34 from 1 Samuel. Now what can we learn about 1 Samuel from Psalm 34? So if you look at Psalm 34, you see God gave a bunch of promises. But David could not see the reality of of the promises of God with his eyes. That's the thing. He could see Saul. He could see his men who were coming with angry faces to kill him. But he could not see the reality of the promises of God with his eyes. He couldn't see the angel of the Lord. He couldn't see God next to him. He couldn't see these things in front of him, and in many ways, it looked like the opposite. And so that's important because when we're struggling, when we see bad things in front of us, it's easy to miss that the good things of God and the protection of God and the power of God and the presence of God are all around us. But we don't see those things with our eyes. We have to see them with the eyes of our soul, of our, with the eyes of faith. And that's what, that's what David did. He had to go by faith. But you know, it's interesting, just one little side note. God also, God also just doesn't leave us without help as we walk through, as we have to run sometimes. Because remember, when David went to the temple, or the tabernacle at that time, and to the priests, what did he get? He got the sword of Goliath. And not only was that a pretty awesome thing to have, but it was also a reminder of what God had already done in his life, that he had faced the giant, defeated him. So God gives us those things too. But in general, a lot of the stuff we're talking about, he couldn't see with his eyes. But second, in the midst of his fears, he was crying out to the Lord. I don't see necessarily in 1 Samuel that we have any statement in this part that David was continually crying out to the Lord, that that David was continually praying to the Lord. But what we see here is he said, this poor man called out to the Lord. This man cried to the Lord. I was going to the Lord. So all this time, David's running, and David's acting insane. I won't even try to imitate that. But he's praying to the Lord. Lord, you're my help. You're my refuge. And that's also one thing that we can learn. When we have to run, sometimes we're going to have to run. Sometimes real threats come. But it's like keep crying out to the Lord, just like David did. So we see that's what he was doing. And then third, when God did deliver David, 
he gave thanks. He gave thanks. And that's why he wrote this song. And that's what we should do. One thing that's important is that, is that um, when we see God's faithfulness in our lives, we need to remember those events and keep them close to our hearts so that when the trouble comes, we remember how God has been faithful in the past. And we can keep saying, even when it gets tough, his goodness is running after me, as we sang. And so, you know, I have, I have a whole bunch of these. But, you know, for this one, um, it's, it's probably something I've not shared with a lot. I'm just going to give you two very quick examples from my own life just to get you thinking. But uh, many years ago, I was involved in trying to oppose what I thought, and I still believe, was a false teaching in the church. And it involves some of the most important matters of our faith, justification by faith alone. And, and one of the things I and several of my friends did was that we really wanted to make our presbytery pay attention to this because we thought there was big issues there. And it, it fell into a big conflict. It's probably the biggest fight I've been in in my life. And, and there was a time when basically they wanted to take my ministerial credentials from me to stop me from being a pastor at a time. There was a group of people and it was interesting, like every Presbytery meeting, they'd try something new, and every time it was completely foiled. Like they ran out of time, they did something wrong, and eventually it just completely lost steam, and I was in the clear. And it was just like, the, it was a reminder to me, you know, the Lord's going to take care of me, because it was kind of scary to do this at the time. But even better was that one of the persons I, I kind of was most opposed to became a real close friend, and we had total reconciliation in the gospel of Christ, which is an even greater testimony to the, the grace of God. And then just, just wanna, um, one thing I was saying to, to Dan Summerfield, I saw him in the gym this week, and I think you know, one of the amazing things is, I, you know, I talked about for a long time, I said if, if people get a vision to do something good, then God will provide for that vision. I totally believe that. I've seen it thousands of times in my life from a variety of people who have done good things that they've said, I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm going to reach out. And so one of the things we said as a church, one of the big things we want to do is we want to build a permanent facility that will be a place where we can welcome people in and teach them the gospel. We want to have our own facility because we believe that that is, is in the best long-term interests of the work of the kingdom of God in this place. And we're still working on that. We're looking for a property. But what's amazing is within two years, we went from having $300,000 in the bank to having $600,000 in the bank. And plus, not something I would have expected, but it's like you just see the goodness of the Lord. And I remember, and when I was talking about that with Dan, so we were talking about another property because he's on the property committee with me. He said, yeah, that's really encouraging. Because it is. You see the Lord's behind it. And, and it's like, maybe for some of you, that may seem like a ridiculous sum of how high it is in terms of, of where you are in your countries. But, man, things are really expensive here. So, so that makes it even harder. We have to like say, man, is God, can, can we build a building here? But I look, how far have we come? The Lord's provide his goodness. And whether it's something small or whether it's something big, those are the things that the Lord has already done in your life 
the Lord is doing right now, and he'll keep doing them. So with David, remember them and make them your song to give praise to our faithful God. Amen.